Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. I uh, did an episode of Signposts, I don't even remember how long ago, uh, but it was because several people on my team said, you ought to do one about your process of of writing. And I said, I'm not going to do that, number one, because nobody cares how, (laughs) how I write. Number two, most people don't have to write or have any interest in in writing, so people won't care. They say, oh, we we think uh, people will. So I did it. So nobody's going to listen to this. Nobody's going to care, but I'll do it. And a lot of people turned out, had lots of uh, questions and comments uh, about that. So we did another uh, episode on how I read. And one of the things that kept coming in uh, from people is, how do you write uh, sermons? And I thought, you know, that's even even less interesting (laughs) to people because most people don't write sermons. But several people said to me, yeah, but uh, a lot of people write Sunday school lessons or uh, youth group uh, devotionals or prepare to talk to people at their workplace uh, about the Bible, and so it could have some some spillover. The other thing is it's kind of like with, with writing generally. What I'm saying here is not prescriptive in any way. I'm just telling you what turns out to have worked for me. I don't think there is any one way uh, that is best uh, to prepare a sermon. It's um, instead knowing yourself and, and your personality and your makeup and then knowing what effectively works for you. So when I was early on in ministry, uh, there were many times when I would say, I need to do it the way that so-and-so is saying to to do it. It would turn out to be disastrous for me uh, to do it that way. So here's here's what I do and don't do. And you just uh, you just decide whether or not uh, any of those those things work for you. And it may be the opposite uh, will work for you. So what I do is I have to spend a lot of time in the scriptures um, in a way that is not looking for sermons. And so just spending a lot of time in scripture. And I do that a couple of ways. Uh, One of those ways is I will choose a particular book that I'm going to be reading through slowly uh, right now. So I just finished uh, Malachi, uh, reading through that very slowly. And as I do that, I'm, I'm going to be highlighting, I'm going to be making some 
parenthetical notes to myself as I'm going through that. And then I'm going to be reading a lot of other things that I, I do quickly. So sometimes, I mean, every day just about, I will find myself just opening the Bible and flipping around. And I know that sounds sort of like that that old uh, kind of mystical practice of just open the Bible and point and whatever the verse is, that's what God's saying. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm just, I just open it up and I keep book flags in my Bible for, for certain places. And again, if you listen to the episode on reading, you'll know that I do this with regular books too, which is I, I put book flags on the side of the book for things, hey, you need to, you need to find this quickly right now. And then I put book flags on the top of the book for things that this is immediately on the front burner of what you need to be thinking about right now. So sometimes I'll just kind of go to um, one of those book flags and just read a, a shorter a shorter passage where I'm not reading the entire book at the moment. And so that's kind of how I, I work that. And I am not somebody who can memorize Scripture easily if I think that I'm trying to memorize it. So for me, if you said, okay, I'm going to memorize uh, Ephesians 2, and I've got friends who they, they can memorize entire books of Scripture, and they have their note cards, and they, they do that. To me, that's kind of like uh, getting into the bed and thinking, I've got to go to sleep. I'm going to uh, work hard at making sure that I go to sleep. Now, the way that I go to sleep is by not thinking about sleeping. Uh, and the same thing is, is true in terms of memorizing Scripture. The way I memorize Scripture is just by having read that Scripture so many times and, and being very, uh, very familiar with it. So that is part of it as well. I, I'm sort of working through Scripture anyway as I'm going forward. And then some of it will depend Sometimes at different points in my life, I've been in a regular uh, Bible teaching sort of situation where every week I'm preaching or teaching to the same group of people, uh, teaching a Sunday school class or preaching uh, in a church. In that case, usually I'm going to be going through books of the Bible or through sections of of books. Uh, I'll be doing that uh, coming up uh, not too long from now in First Kings. So the way that I do that is to start by reading the entire book in one sitting. Now, you know, if you're preaching through Psalms, that's, that's kind of hard to do. But most of the time, uh, you can do that. So if you're, if you're teaching through Hebrews, read Hebrews all together at once so that you get the whole big picture flow of the argument and then read it more slowly day by day as you're moving forward. So I'm doing that. And then I'm making notes for myself about whatever it is that I'm I'm reading, and then start to start to just marinate uh, in that. Now I know there are a lot of people if they preach every Sunday, uh, what they do is to say I start preparing on Monday, and what they mean by that is they start actually constructing the sermon on Monday. That doesn't work for me. I have to start uh, preparing in terms of thinking through what am I wanting to preach and where am I going to be next week, and I'm spending a lot of time in that text. But then I can't really consciously think about what what is the structure or what is this going to to look like. That sort of organically 
uh, starts to, to work at the subconscious level in a way that I don't really think about at the moment. And it will come to me usually as I'm either walking or in the shower, something like that, where, where you think, oh, wait a minute, I, I see what's happening here in this, uh, in this particular text and, and make a, a note of that and then start to sort of have a, a big picture uh, structure of the, the message or the, of the Bible teaching uh, during the week. That's sort of later on in the week. After that starts to happen, once I've sort of determined this is what I think this Bible text is teaching, this is what I think how people need to, to apply it, then I start saying to myself, okay, let me check my understanding on the basis of other people. So I don't read commentaries at the beginning of the process. I don't read uh, sort of other uh, sermons uh, or, or examinations of a text at the very beginning. The way I do that is to say, here's where I think this is going, and then those things come in to sort of supplement and to correct me. So there have been times when I've had a direction that I'm going, but then as I've read commentaries and, and other resources, I've said, mm, I'm wrong. I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm going to redirect um, and the reason I do it that way is because what I have found is if I um, sit down and say, okay, here are all of the commentaries and resources, uh, and I'm doing that first, then typically what happens is I end up just giving a sort of collation summarization of commentaries. And a lot of the preaching uh, that I've heard is that way. It's sort of a verbal study Bible that takes place rather than preaching or, or teaching. So, uh, so I, I have to just sort of put that later uh, in the process. Then, uh, as a, after I've sort of uh, interpreted what the text says, then I'm going to be uh, working on applying that text. And the way I do that is to start with me, so that is to say, what in this text do I not want to believe? What am, I, what am I kind of militating against here? And if my answer to that is nothing, then I'm going to say that I'm not understanding what the Scripture says because the Scripture is the voice of God. God is speaking to us through the Scripture. And 1 John 1, we are sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. So if I, as someone falling short of the glory of God, don't see in a text where the glory of God is breaking through, if I don't see where I fall short of that, uh, if I don't see where, when God is speaking to me, where I don't want to, as Adam did, hide somewhere from it, Adam, where are you? Then that means I really don't understand this text. And so there have been many times when I've read a text and I've thought, yeah, this is great. This really applies to someone who is in you know, such and such situation. I have to step back and say, wait a minute, how does this apply to me uh, right now? And how am I wrestling uh, with it? So I have to, I have to feel some tension uh, with the Scripture in my own life before I can then uh, be able to actually talk about it. Then I will start thinking through in terms of, uh, in terms of spiritual warfare. Uh, I believe in the devil. 
I believe the devil is active, and I believe that uh, one of the primary ways the devil is active is in um, helping people to protect themselves from the Word of God, Second uh, Corinthians 4, uh, for instance. And so what I want to say is, how do I make sure that I'm actually confronting people with what this text says? They may believe it or not. They may obey it or not. But I want to make sure they actually are hearing me. And so what I'm going to do is to come in and say, how would the devil uh, keep this word from God from being heard? And so I'm going to say, for some people, uh, that's going to be by causing them to think that they are too good to hear this word, uh, that they don't have this problem. So what I want to do is to show, no, this is, this is your problem too. Maybe even if I'm preaching on something that seems to be irrelevant to some people because it's speaking to a specific uh, group. So say if I'm preaching on James 1.27, on caring for widows and orphans in their distress, uh, what I know is there are going to be maybe some college students in the room that are going to assume, yeah, that's for people who are going to adopt And so that's for people later on who have a more stable uh, life. Or maybe you may have an elderly widow in the congregation that says, I don't have the the means or the ability to adopt or foster care or care for orphans in those ways. So that doesn't apply to me. What I'm going to come in and say, no, this is how this applies to the whole church. So if I'm preaching Ephesians 5 on marriage, uh, one of the things I want to say is I'm not just talking to married couples here. I'm talking to elderly widows and widowers here. I'm talking to divorced people here. I'm talking to single people here. I'm talking to teenagers here. Why? Because for one thing, the letter, this biblical text is given to the whole church. So you can't say, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not married any more than than you could say, well, uh, this uh, this air pollution in my community doesn't matter to me because I'm not running the the power plant that's putting the pollution into the air. No, it, it applies to you because we all belong to one another and we ha- all have a responsibility to one another. And so we have to encourage one another and hold one another accountable. So I'm wanting to say, who's thinking I'm either too good for this message or at least not being addressed by this message? And then I want to speak to the people who think that they are too bad for the message. And so if I'm preaching, for instance, a message on abortion, I'm going to make sure that I am hitting at multiple levels. I want to hit the person who will say, you know, to whom the devil is saying, you're not really going to be held accountable for this. This is just a blob of tissue. Uh, th- th- this, is, this is your body and your choice. I want to speak to that person, but not to that person only. Because there are going to be other people in the room who are who are saying, I've had an abortion or I paid for an abortion, and that means that I'm outside of the grace of God. Because as many times as we say, Jesus came for sinners and not for the righteous, sometimes what people do is to translate that as to the kinds of sins that are acceptable uh, within the gospel and the kinds of sins that are not. And so they will think, well, you're talking about the people who lose their temper uh, on the highway uh, or, or, or that sort of thing. You're not talking about uh, somebody who's done something as awful as I have done. Uh, 
And so I want to speak to both of those groups of people. And sometimes the, the way that I do that is to try to imagine every way that somebody might be grappling with what I'm talking about. You can't do all of it, of course, but you can think through that. And so for me, doing counseling with people was actually one of the most helpful things for me in preaching because I could immediately sort of see the ways that people weren't really hearing me because they're filtering things out, and I could stand up and and speak to them. And to say, uh, you know, some of you in this room may be, and and then a, a, not not a, a specific situation from a counseling session. You don't, you don't get up and say, yeah, some of you may be like Jennifer and have a, a shoplifting problem. You're not going to do that, but you're going to stand up and say, here are some specific situations. Sometimes what you you do when you say that is you immediately sort of shake people to say, I'm talking to you. So if you stand up and say, for instance, I would imagine that in our congregation, we have, uh, we have some moms who feel guilty because sometimes they're so exasperated with their children that they wonder whether they should have had children or not. They feel awful. Well, what you're doing about that is you're saying, hey, I know you're out there probably, and if you're out there, this doesn't make you a freak. This makes you somebody who needs the word of God. You need the ministry of the church. You need you need these things, but you're not a freak somehow outside of, of Jesus's reach. Or you stand up and say, I know there are some of you maybe in this room who, if we're talking about Genesis with, uh, uh, with God created the male and female, some of you may be in a sense of, um, a sense of internal crisis because you're a man, but you don't feel like a man, or you're a woman and you don't feel like a woman. Well, often you have people think, wait a minute, nobody who's within the orbit of the church has those struggles. No, I'm talking to to you. You may be out there. Or uh, there may be some of you in this room, and I am, you know, uh, sadly, this will be the case anywhere, who are uh, enslaved and addicted to pornography uh, or to uh, substances. Well, what you're doing when you're saying that as you're preaching through is to say, I know that you might be out there, and I'm not shocked or, uh, or you know, clutching the pearls around my neck uh, in, in haughty sort of uh, snobbery about whatever your particular struggle is, because Jesus never was in the text of Scripture. I'm, I'm talking to you and saying, this is a serious issue that, that is killing you, and Jesus stands here ready to receive you. So to think through what in this passage, how are people going to be able to to filter that out in various ways? And then for me anyway, I don't actually structure uh, the message in terms of writing out what it is that I'm going to, to say until very, very late in the process. And again, that's just me because I have to have the adrenaline hit or else I'm just going to have to redo it. So for me, it's either late Saturday, if I'm preaching on Sunday, or early Sunday before I'm actually writing out what it is that I'm going to say. Some people, you know, I heard people early in my ministry that would say, preach without notes. I don't think that's a wise move for me. might be for you. Uh, There are other people who would say, uh, have a manuscript. Now, 
would it be nice for me to have a manuscript so that later on I could uh, just have all of those things? Yeah, it would. But preaching with the manuscript is horrible for me because there's a difference between written communication and oral communication, vast difference between uh, the, the two things. And because what I when, so what I find myself as somebody who's a writer, I find myself spending a lot of time on the written text in a way that really detracts from uh, the actual preaching of it. And I find myself so focused then on that manuscript and on that text that I'm not able to have a normal, natural uh, communication verbally. And so the way that it works for me is almost a via media between those two things, which is I have notes written out for myself, usually on five by nine uh, index cards, blank index cards, and I'll just write out words that are going to remind me of what it is that that I'm uh, talking about. So, you know, I'm preaching through First Timothy. I may have uh, not chained. Well, those words are just there on the on the page. That reminds me to talk about uh, the fact that uh, Paul says to Timothy, "The word of God is not chained." And, and you know, so I just have words that sort of connect me to other things. Now that has positives and negatives. The negatives are uh, sometimes I'll pull old sermon notes out, and I don't have any idea what I was talking about. That, that just happened just the other day. I pulled it out, and it says dog. On that. I, I don't have any idea what I was trying to say uh, with, with that. But the positive is it enables you to actually be engaged with the congregation or the, the class or whoever it is that you're talking to at the, at the moment. And so I think that's beneficial in that sense. And the last step of what I'm going to do is to illustrate. And uh, the way that, that I illustrate is to think about what are the parts of this passage of Scripture uh, that either seem too familiar to people, uh, and so they're, they're not getting the force of what the Bible is saying, or what are the aspects of this pastor scripture that seem so strange and alien to people that they don't get the force of what this passage is saying? And it could be either. So, for instance, you will sometimes have people, they're so familiar with uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, that when they read, uh, turn the other cheek, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hit them. That, of course, of course it says turn the other cheek. That's Jesus. That's what he says. I'm wanting to come in and show them just how shocking uh, that language is, illustrating that in some way or the other. Or a passage where someone may think, well, this is really not uh, being addressed to me at all. So, because it's so distant from, from my world. So, if you're preaching through Ezekiel, for instance, and you have people who would say, yeah, this is how they dealt with the exile, uh, but that's not anything that, that I have to deal with. To, to illustrate that, to show, no, actually, this is addressing you, and this is, is how it does so. And then put it together uh, in that way and preach it. Again, some of that might work for you. Some of it may not. Take what does, leave what doesn't. And a lot of it is going to be a trial and error. You're going to, over the, the years, uh, 
find what works for you and find what doesn't and amplify the things that do and minimize the things that don't. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.